Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week sees the return of one of the most popular crime shows ever to air on television, CSI Vegas. I'm Jeff Braun. We'll also talk about Squid Game, a crazy new Netflix show, and we'll talk some Survivor, which is back after its lengthy hiatus. And we'll tell you what other new and returning shows are coming your way this week, and there's a highly anticipated movie out this week, a prequel to The Sopranos. Wednesday, October 6th. There is an assault on the truth. It's the return. Every case, every defendant that was put away, evidence from our lab has been called into question. Of the global phenomenon. What we're really talking about is my lab's reputation. As a new chapter begins. Do you think I could persuade you to come back to CSI? Our life's work is on line. What do we do now? What we always do, John. Follow the evidence. CSI Vegas. New series Wednesday, October 6th on Global. Also available on Stack TV. The PVR is set. CSI Vegas debuts this upcoming Wednesday, October 6th on Global. The landmark crime procedural first debuted October 6th, 2000, starring an ensemble cast led by William Peterson and Marg Helgenberger and aired for 15 seasons, focusing on the crime scene forensic investigators of the Las Vegas police. It was a smash hit. It made watching the collection of forensic evidence fun, thanks to snappy montages set to electronic music. It made it so that juries demanded more and more forensic evidence, even for white-collar crimes. It had a bunch of spin-offs, including CSI Miami, which debuted in 2002, and starred David Caruso, who became the king of the walk-off, put-on-your-shades one-liner. The verdict's already in. The verdict is in, Frank. But the jury is out. That show ran for 10 seasons. They also had CSI New York, starring Gary Sinise, which started in 2004 and ran for nine seasons. And then in 2015, we got CSI Cyber, starring Patricia Arquette and Ted Danson, who had previously joined the cast of the original CSI with uh, Elizabeth Shue, I think, before the series ended. Cyber ran for two seasons. And now we're heading back to Vegas. William Peterson is back as Gil Grissom. Georgia Fox is back as Sarah Seidel. Wallace Langham is back in the lab as David Hodges. And Paul Guilfoyle is back as Detective Jim Brass, although he's apparently only going to be in it for two episodes. So as you heard in that first clip, the crime lab is facing a serious threat that could end up with the release of thousands of criminals. So they got to fix that. Once upon a time, I was a huge fan of CSI. Jeff, did you ever watch or like the CSI series? I did not watch it. I watched one episode in those 15 seasons, and it was uh, the episode that Quentin Tarantino directed, because I had to see what that was, and uh, didn't really care for it. So oh. I didn't watch anymore. Which one was that? <laughs> Which one did he direct? Somebody, there was somebody, there was a guy buried alive. Oh, That's yeah, Nick. I about that. Yeah, that, that was a great episode. Come on now. Oh, man. And then, and then they did a they did a crossover event with uh, Two and a Half Men. I think it was CSI. And Are you Two serious? And, yeah. Yeah, so some people from CSI appeared on Two and a Half Men, and then Two and a Half Men ended up on CSI. Oh, that's uh, like when uh, George Clooney and Noah Wiley were on Friends. Oh, really? 
They played Doctors on Friends, but they I don't think they had their character names from ER. Because ER, of course, was in Chicago and Friends is in New York. So uh, it was different characters, but they got the actors from ER. Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure it was CSI Lost and uh, Two and a Half Men. Definitely Two and a Half Men, but I think it was CSI. I just can't quite remember that, but uh, yeah, it was funny. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I dropped off of CSI towards season 10-ish. Uh, I don't really know why I dropped off, but once I did, I just I felt like uh, I've missed too much, and uh, I didn't really care. But uh, I did enjoy those first seasons, and I, I never got quite as much into CSI Miami. I did end up watching quite a few reruns, never really watched CSI New York, did not watch Cyber, but CSI Original Recipe with some of the original castmates, that excites me. The return of Gil Grissom excites me, because that character left the show for a while before... William Peterson brought him back to finish off the uh, series. So again, Wednesday, October 6th on Global. And uh, side note on crime shows. NBC is bringing back Law & Order after 11 years <laughs> off. They've still got the spinoffs, Special Victims Unit, or SVU, which is into its 23rd season, and Law & Order Organized Crime, which is in its second season, but... They're bringing back the original flavor, Law and & Order. And Jeff, I'll just bouncing this one off of you. Um, do you think the networks are pulling out these old shows because uh, people turn to the streamers more for the new and fresh content? Yep, it's a like desperation move. It's just like old. We had a thing that people knew and enjoyed. So if we bring, we've got the name recognition. That's what it's grabbing some headlines for them, right? Like, look at them. Look at them now. If it was just a uh, you know, CSI Baltimore, we wouldn't be leading the couch potatoes with it. They wouldn't have got that sweet couch potatoes bump, right? So it's uh, it's that name brand recognition that they're trying to cash in on. And hopefully, some every now and then, you know, one of these, you, the tendency is just to like roll your eyes at all of it. But every now and then, one of these things actually lands and is pretty good. So uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, like you like the Magnum P.I. reboot, right? Love the Magnum P.I. reboot. I mean, the original Magnum P.I. was much better, but uh, the new Magnum P.I. is a lot of fun. All right. Well, hey, let's look at other fall TV stuff for this upcoming week. Uh, just a re quick reminder that The Problem with Jon Stewart debuted Thursday on Apple TV Plus. On Friday, reminder, uh, so we're talking Friday, October 1st, uh, we've got SWAT Season 5. That's on Global Magnum P.I. Season 4 debuts, Season 12 of Blue Bloods, and then on the CW, Penn & Teller Fool Us. That's Season 8. Saturday, we've got Season 47 kicking off for Saturday Night Live, hosted by Owen Wilson with musical guest Casey Musgraves. On Sunday, we've got America's Funniest Videos, Season 32. How this continues to be a thing I don't really understand because uh, you can go on YouTube and fall down a, a funny video rabbit hole. Or... But it's because they have the funniest home videos. If it was just America's funny home videos, no one would watch it. But these are guaranteed to be the funniest, Brett. That's why. Okay. <laughs> Call the Midwife, season 10 on PBS. And we've got actually the season five finale for Billions. That's on Crave. Moving to Wednesday, it is the finale for What If, that's the Marvel cartoon on Disney+. Plus. Tough as Nails, Season 3 on CBS. On Thursday, October 7th, there's a new show on Peacock, that's NBC's streaming service, that is set to air in Canada on W Network called One of Us is Lying. 
Welcome back, Bayview. I hope you're ready for a wild year, because it's only the first day of school. And one of these four made it my last. Based on Karen M. McManus's New York Times best-selling novel, One of Us is Lying is the story of what happens when five high schoolers walk into detention and only four make it out alive. Everyone is a suspect and everyone has something to hide. We've got another new show, this one debuting on Global. It's called Ghosts. Oh, so we own this now? As I explained to your wife on the phone, her relative passed away and left her this estate. There are a limited number of buyers for property this size, right? So you have your bed and breakfast operators. (gasps) What if we opened a bed and breakfast? Okay, this is huge. And it's all ours. Wow. New York is full of people. We're never alone. This must be the new folks that own the house. I'm cleansing the space. You light this stuff and it wards off evil spirits. (gasps) What did she say? Does that work? It's actually delightful. Oh. That's divine. Reminds me of Torch Village. People, people, there's enough spirit repellent for all of us. We are ghosts, while most spirits pass on to the afterlife. Oh, good for her. Dwell on. It's the summer of 98, Tara Reid's birthday. Who is Tara Reid? She was a movie star. It's all in the talk, sweetheart. What is a movie again? It's the play that they project on a screen. What is play? God, I hate being the most recently dead. All right, so there you go. There's a bunch of ghosts in this creepy old mansion that this young couple decides to buy to turn into a bed and breakfast. Looks kind of funny. Also returning to Global, Season 6 of Bull. We have the return of Thursday Night Football as it moves to Fox. Uh, what what channel is it on in the first half of the uh, season? I think just uh, NFL Network. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, that's when a part of me, the first half. It's only been on, like, what, a month into the NFL season? Uh, young Sheldon Season 5. United States of Al, Season 2, and Be Positive, Season 2. So there you go. That's uh, the fall TV preview for this week, and next week we'll tell you what is coming. There's actually uh, famed symbologist Robert Langdon makes his his debut on TV on uh, Showcase coming up on the 11th, I think. So we'll tell you more about that. That's going to be, again, that's on Showcase. In a moment, we got to talk some Survivor and tell you about this new Sopranos movie. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and a Couch Potato favorite returned to the airwaves last week. We're two episodes into the newest season of Survivor. I dive right in there, and sure enough, here they come, right down the trail. We were trying to learn as much as we could from him so we could boot him. Yay! You've got to throw all you know about Survivor out the window. Oh, no. This is a new game. And it's called Survivor 41. So glad to have it back. I actually got choked up at the beginning of the premiere episode. It's just one of those shows you sort of take for granted because it has always just been there two seasons a year for the last 20 years. So when it was gone, it was a noticeable hole in our viewing lives. And honestly, it's got to be the longest running show that I've watched where I've watched every single episode. I know The Simpsons has been on longer, but I've not watched a new episode of that in years and years and years. Now, this new episode or season of Survivor is only 26 days instead of the usual 39. This is, of course, because of uh, pandemic-related things. They had the same number of days for their production, but they lost two weeks due to people having to quarantine. So eventually, I'm sure they'll go back up to the 39-day uh, adventure. It does add some urgency. We've already seen one double eviction, although that was a double episode. But, you know, they'll have to do a few more 
twofers in these episodes to get rid of everyone in time if they're doing 26 days, I would think. There's no gimmicky theme this time around either. I mean, there are some new wrinkles, but no overarching theme that that they try to force into everything. And therefore, there's no crazy tribe configurations, just random people in three tribes instead of like, you know how they do like, oh, all the beefy people go over here and all the skinny nerds go over there. And now you guys got to fight. It's more it's more of a pure survivor experience this way, which I actually like a lot better. And I do like these new wrinkles that they're they're upping the ante instead of someone, you know, stockpiling idols. Everything seems to come with a significant risk of either losing a vote or something like that along the way. It gives the players more to consider, which is good. And it's already paid off. Some people have extra votes. One poor guy didn't get to vote last time. And then there's this rolling of the dice twist at the tribal council. You can roll uh, a dice and you've got a one in six chance of your name coming up and that would make you safe. But if you your name doesn't come out, you lose your vote again. So, uh, you know, and, and Probst has been taking away their flints when they lose the challenges. That's adding some extra incentive. And they don't have any food, no rice this time around. So, I mean, I guess if it's 26 days, they figure people will be able to handle it. But, uh, you know, in recent years, people were com- complaining sometimes, all oh, the contestants are so pampered now, but not this season. So I like all these little things that they're throwing in there to, to mix it up a little bit, and, and but not having it be this overarching theme like they used to do where, it, you know, that would go away after three episodes and it would just be regular Survivor anyways. And I'm glad there's no Exile Island. I hope that doesn't come back. I don't need to see that anymore. I don't think I'm cheering for anybody yet, Brett. There are a couple of people who've been rubbing me the wrong way, but no one I'm just dying to see, you know, get kicked out. And I also can't remember all their names or anything. That'll take a few more weeks before I have that locked down. Of the people that have already been voted out, I didn't think, you know, didn't really even barely register. The first few boots are usually inconsequential. And at the reunion, I'll struggle to even remember that they were on the show. And then I don't know if you noticed these little uh, Rebus puzzles at the challenges that are there just for the viewers. Uh, and Probst said in an interview for the younger viewers, uh, just little puzzles that you can hit pause on your TV and try and figure it out, these little uh, picture and word puzzles. I thought that was fun. And uh, I guess it has nothing to do with the contestants, just just for fun for us at home. And I, I actually enjoyed uh, hitting pause and figuring those out. So I'm really enjoying uh, the new season of Survivor, and I'm just thrilled that it's back. What about you, Brett? Where are these puzzles? They, like if you, at the beginning... Don't fast forward to when the challenge starts, when they come back from commercial for the challenge and there's showing a different, there's like, they just did us like a slow zoom into the platform they were standing on and just on the side of that platform, there was just a little puzzle there to, and I hit pause and then I could, if it figures it out, it just turns into a phrase like, uh, like that game, classic concentration that Trebek used to host in the eighties. Yeah. It's one of those kind of, it's one of those kind of puzzles where it's pictures and plus this letter minus that letter equals this and that sort of thing. Oh, and it's just like yeah. they, they just got it built onto the, like drawn onto yeah. the structure? Yeah, they just uh, painted it on a board and nailed it up to one of the structures at the one of the challenges and camera slowly goes by it. And you, you, you do have to pause to be able to, you know, linger on it long enough to figure it out kind of thing. But yeah, it's just, it's oh, stuff wow. to look for uh, in the episode that's not part of the actual episode. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. I didn't, yeah. I, I think now this sort of rings a bell, but... I probably just thought that's weird, uh, or, or maybe I didn't think anything of it. Maybe I just thought it was part of the the dressing or the decoration. But yeah. I agree, Jeff. I was um, I got kind of emotional too seeing Survivor return. I did not start Survivor in season one. I didn't jump on board until season four, which I believe was Marquesas, and uh, and I did drop out for a few seasons. I missed the first Russell season, for example. But I so I think I missed like seasons. 
15 through 19, but I came back for season 20. That was Heroes versus Villains. And I remember when that came on, it was like seeing an old friend and just sliding right back into that comfort zone. And uh, I have quit a couple of seasons in recent years because I thought they were just boring. But so far, so good with this one. The one thing that, that uh, oh, one thing I thought was cool was they actually showed the crew a couple of yeah. times. Like they zoomed out and showed the crew uh, recording and holding up the boom mics. I actually wish they would have done that a little bit more in that first episode because the whole point of it was to say, hey, we're back and we're all happy to be back and we can't wait to entertain you with the show that you love. But they, I think they didn't do it enough. It's like either do it, like go all in and do it or don't, or, or just don't do it at all. Um, right. because there were a couple of times later in the episode where it's sort of felt throwaway, but whatever survivors back, I'm enjoying it. And, uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to do with the constant losing of the Flint and not being given any food. It looks like there's an abundance of fruit to eat on this Island at least. And they have access to try to, you know, snag some crabs or whatever, but, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the very next challenges is, you know, the reward is a big giant bag of rice or something. True, true. And they did. Uh, there was fishing gear on the line as well. So true. Uh, hey, up next, we'll tell you about the new Sopranos movie out this weekend, and then we got to tell you about this bonkers new show that we both checked out on Netflix. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. It's actually a pretty busy weekend at the movies, and it includes. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the hotly anticipated feature film prequel to David Chase's groundbreaking, award-winning HBO drama series, The Sopranos. When I was a kid, guys like me were brought up to follow codes. Antonio Soprano. You're my nephew. I want to do whatever I can to help you. The Many Saints of Newark. So this is about young Anthony Soprano. He's growing up in one of the most tumultuous eras in Newark's history, becoming a man just as rival gangsters begin to rise up and challenge the all-powerful DeMeo crime family's hold over the increasingly race-torn city. Caught up in the changing times as the uncle he idolizes, Dickie Moltisanti, who struggles to ma manage both his professional and personal responsibilities, and whose influence over his nephew will help make the impressionable teenager into the all-powerful mob boss who will later come to know Tony Soprano. I would tell you if it's getting good reviews or not, but uh, as we record this on Thursday afternoon, Rotten Tomatoes is down, so I can't look up the score. Also new this weekend, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The new Venom movie, Venom is a character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Pardon me, the Marvel Comics Universe. This is not in the Cinematic Universe. This is a Sony movie. Uh, and it's a follow-up from... came out. The first one came out a couple of years ago with... Um, oh, Tom geez. Hardy. Tom Hardy, thank you. I was going to say Tom Holland, but that's Spider-Man. Tom Hardy plays Venom. And Woody Harrelson <laughs> is along for the ride as Carnage who's basically like Venom on steroids. He's a real bad dude. Uh, and there's also The Addams Family 2, the animated follow-up. You watched the first one, didn't you? 
Yeah, I watched the first one with uh, my girlfriend and the kids, and it was actually a really fun uh, family outing to the theater. It was good stuff. I, I liked the, the first Adam's family. All right, so three choices at the movie theaters this weekend, but if none of those interest you, then perhaps something we watched this week might interest you. Yes, it's been number one on Netflix all week, and it's called Squid Game. And it's from Korea. Um, I saw a headline that said the Netflix president believes this might be their most popular show ever. I didn't read the details, though, because I'm only two episodes in and I'm actively avoiding spoilers. I didn't want to click on anything that actually said Squid Game in it. The basic premise of the show is this. We meet this man in Seoul who has money problems. He gambles. He doesn't work. He has a lot of excuses and struggles to support his daughter. And he seems to owe some bad people a lot of money. His name is Song Ji Hun. And one day he's approached by a stranger and offered a chance to make a lot of money just by playing a few games, according to the stranger. He agrees. The next thing we know, he's been kidnapped. Then he wakes up in this gymnasium with a couple of hundred other people. And then they're forced to play Red Light, Green Light, a children's game, but an extremely jaw-droppingly dangerous version of it. It's pretty wild. The story goes on from there. More games are planned, but there's also a way to get out of it. And all the players have to decide if they're willing to risk their lives for potentially millions of dollars and to be clear whatever shadowy organization is putting this on they are preying on vulnerable people a shocking number of contestants would rather take the risk to their lives and return to whatever their existence in the outside world was and that's what i like about this show just two episodes in out of nine as bonkers as the game we see in the first episode is the show doesn't really rush to it we spend time getting to know uh, song ji hun up front and the second episode we get to know some of the other characters as well and i found all that as compelling as the game itself. It's clearly a smart, well-thought-out show that isn't here simply to titillate with the violence. It's digging for something deeper, and I think it's achieving it so far. But, yeah, it's also bonkers. I mean, I mentioned this shadowy organization. We don't know who is behind all this. Clearly, they must be incredibly rich, not only because of the prize money up for grabs, but the cost to put all this on would be exorbitant. And they all wear masks from all these henchmen that are dressed in red with masks that have a, a circle, a square, or a triangle in place of a face. And then there's the front man, as he refers to himself, and he seems to be the leader. He looks like a cross between uh, Dr. Doom and Darth Vader. It's just bizarre. I can't wait to see where it all goes because we're as in the dark about everything as these contestants are at the beginning. And some of the other contestants include a gangster thug, a young lady who's a pickpocket. There's an old man who's uh, dying anyways and has nothing to lose. There's a friend of the main guy. And somewhere in there is the brother of a cop who's investigating his disappearance. It's all very intriguing stuff as far as the mystery of the games go, but also intriguing on a character level, I thought. I like that these shows from around the world are getting a lot of eyeballs on them now. It used to be such an uphill battle for like a foreign movie to make even a ripple, let alone a wave in Canada or the U.S., but Ever since Netflix came along, it seems it's much more common for uh, people to really get into, uh, you know, different shows from around the world. It, like Money Heist is another one from Mexico that uh, tons of people are watching. And Korea has been having a heyday the last couple of years because, I mean, Parasite won Best Picture at the Oscars. And now we've got Squid Game, Brett. What did you think? Squid Game. Loved it. Yeah, I I saw the trailer for this a few weeks ago and I put it on my list and then I just sort of forgot about it. And when I saw that it was... Number one, as you pointed out, I thought maybe I better give this a look sooner than later. And then when I, I just went, did a 
I think it just popped up on my phone as I was Googling stuff, and I saw that there, as you pointed out, it's on track to be its most popular show ever. So I figured, okay, I got to have a look at this. And uh, easily one of the most unique shows I've ever watched. The, the game that these poor people have to play is demented and horrifying, and it's just a, a really scary premise. Um, but the, I can't, you can't talk about it without spoiling it, so I won't go into yeah. details. But uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed those first two episodes. And uh, the acting seemed like it was overdone, but that could just be a cultural thing. I don't really know. Like the, the main character, he just seemed like he was on the verge of blowing his top at all times, even when he was talking to his mom. Like, am I off base there? I think, well, I think that guy in general, because his friend isn't like that and the cops aren't like that, the one, the investigator's not like that. I think that's just him as like this low-level shyster criminal that he's one of these guys that's constantly running around and he's just trying to keep one step ahead of the trouble that's following him wherever he goes. So I think he's constantly in a state of being like high-strung like that. I think that's just him. Okay. And as far as the reason as to why this is set to be the most popular, it's just because of the international the international reach. Like when you look at their their most popular shows, and by the way, Netflix, they consider a view to be so if you watch something for two minutes on Netflix, it counted as a Netflix counts it as a view. Also have to wonder how many hours are counted as people watching stuff where the thing's playing on a screen but whoever's in front of that screen is fast asleep. Yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> like they've got uh, season one of Bridgerton, most popular show on Netflix, globally speaking, 82 million views. Uh, second place is uh, part one of Lupin. That's the French show that I, ref- I watched uh, seasons one and two of the, the guy who, the gentleman thief. Season one of The Witcher is number three. A new one, new season for that, by the way, I believe is coming in December either December or early 2022, Henry Cavill is back as The Witcher. Uh, Season one of Sex Life is number four. Season three of Stranger Things, number five. Uh, Part four of Money Heist is number six, as you mentioned, the uh, the show from Spain. Uh, It's the international appeal that makes, you know, I think think this Squid Game is being shown in 90 countries. So, yeah, very unique show. If you want to watch something that's going to blow your mind, check out Squid Game. I almost didn't watch Squid Game this week uh, because I just, I'm just going to give you a quick heads up here. There were not one, but two Britney Spears documentaries released this week. A few months back, I reviewed Framing Britney Spears, put together by the New York Times about her conservator, uh, conservatorship, all the nonsense she's dealing with with her dad, and it was really good. This week on Monday, oh, I forgot to do this. Can't talk about Britney without having some Britney Spears music in the background. So this week on Monday, Netflix released uh, their own documentary called Britney versus Spears. And while I was looking into that, I learned that the New York Times just happened to release a follow-up documentary called Controlling Britney Spears. It was released late last week and can be watched on Crave. So I was going to watch one or both of them, but I ended up checking out Squid Game. 
But from what I've read, the Netflix one is not as good. Uh, and again, I'd look up the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, but their site is down. <laughs> of course, it goes down just as we're trying to record. But anyway, yeah, the, the I would recommend, just based on the initial things that I've read, if you haven't watched them, watch the ones that are on Crave versus the one that is on Netflix. In a moment, Jeff's got a cool new show that's going to take you to the stars on Disney+. Plus. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and a fascinating new documentary series drops on Disney Plus this week. It's called Among the Stars. Being an astronaut is a true privilege. I'm no one special. This is just that I'm doing a special job. The space program is international. There's folks in Germany and Italy and in Russia and Canada and Japan. It's not what you're going to do in space, it's who you do it with. Astronauts are ready to begin complex spacewalks. It's a $2 billion science experiment to determine the origins of the universe. The data we get from this could shape the future of space exploration. It'll be my third trip to space and could well be my last. Any given mission can end in a catastrophic way. Among the Stars is a documentary series done in conjunction with NASA about repairing a science experiment on the International Space Station and all the people involved in that endeavor. At first, it seems like it'll mostly be about the astronauts, but by the end of the second episode, we've also spent time, a lot of time, with various personnel involved, mission control, engineers, technicians, scientists, the whole gamut of people in the NASA world that work long and hard to get things to happen up in space. It's one of those things where you hear about a spacewalk and you think it's cool, and you never consider the years of work that go into making that one spacewalk happen. Apollo 13 showed us that it takes a lot of teamwork on the ground to make good things happen in space, and this series really delves deep into it. We are first introduced to a pair of astronauts, American Chris Cassidy and Italian Luca Parmitano, as they perform a spacewalk back in 2013. That date sort of triggered an alarm bell because I think that was around the time that Canadian Chris Hadfield was commander of the space station. Uh, I looked it up, and it turns out this spacewalk actually came about two months after Hadfield had returned to Earth. Now, you may remember this from the news eight years ago. Luca's helmet started filling with water during the spacewalk, and he had to rush back inside the space station, mostly blind because the water was in his eyes, and he was in real danger of drowning in space. It's wild, and the footage they have from their body cams is kind of terrifying at times, except it's not a Hollywood movie, and these guys are, you know, trained to keep calm in high-stress situations, so it wasn't really terrifying as a Hollywood movie would have made it, but it's still, you know, you realize what's going on with this guy and what kind of danger he's in. Now, he ended up being fine, and the series begins a few years later as those same two astronauts start training to go back to the space station, where they will do a series of spacewalks to repair the AMS, which is the Alpha Magnetic Spectrometer, this $2 billion piece of machinery designed to help discover the origins of the universe. They explain a bit of what it is, which I will not attempt, and it doesn't really matter anyways. They very cleverly use footage of a, a big conference where someone says this thing has been a game changer in the physics world and expected to lead to more important discoveries, and that's all we really need to know about the science of 
this particular experiment. It was designed by this old scientist, and we meet him a bit, and we see how he works with the NASA folks. They're all intimidated by him. He also only cares about his experiments. He doesn't have time for NASA excuses about this and that. It gets pretty tense at times. I wasn't expecting that. And among the other characters we meet, there's a team of people whose only job it is is to design the spacewalks down to every last detail. That involves a lot of practice underwater in NASA's big swimming pool that simulates weightlessness. There's also a team whose only job it is is to design and make the tools that the astronauts will use on that spacewalk. It's all incredibly intricate work, and any little mistake by anyone on any of these teams can really just kibosh the whole thing, and you'd hate to have to go to Congress and ask for another $2 billion because you accidentally cut the wrong pipe or you dropped a wrench and it floated away or something like that. So I'm in, I've watched two episodes of the six episodes in the series, and they're really just at the point where they're finishing all the prep work and the real work is yet to come. Some of the footage from space is just staggering, just really gorgeous stuff as you would expect. And inside the space station is always cool to see as well. And the footage from inside NASA here on Earth is cool too. I think the most notable aspect of that is that it's just ordinary people doing all this work. We sort of tend to think of NASA folks, especially the astronauts, as these amazing heroic figures. And while there's, you know, obviously some courage and bravery involved in blasting into space and living there for months on end, there's also just, you know, they're regular people in so many ways. So, I mean, they're smarter than most of us, but you could walk by them on the street and you wouldn't notice anything different about them. And that also makes their accomplishments all the more impressive. And I'm excited to see the rest of the series, find out what happens, what other curveballs are throwing their waves. Uh, you got to be careful about Googling things on, on about this show because it did happen in real life. So there are obviously spoilers out there about the mission and the astronauts, I'm sure. So I haven't been, I've been trying to not look up anything about it. It's called, again, Among the Stars. It debuts on Wednesday October 6th on Disney Plus, all six episodes plopping at once. And I've seen, like I said, I've seen the first two. It's really great stuff and I highly recommend it. All right. I will add that to my list. And I just want to quickly mention this. All right. So this isn't the right theme song, but it's my favorite theme song from the American Horror Story. This is the 1984 version, but American Horror Story made its return this year and they're going with double feature so they've split the season in half and they're telling two stories and the first one was kind of a vampire story but kind of not you take this pill and it makes you super either makes you super talented or it just turns you into this like brainless zombie but you do have to suck someone's blood in order to to stay alive and um it was good if you like american horror story and haven't watched it yet Highly recommend. You can watch it on demand. I think it might be my favorite of all the American horror stories so far. Uh, that first half of the season officially called Red Tide. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. 